0: I begin with uh, some true stories, they're hard stories to hear, I acknowledge, but sometimes we need to talk about the hard questions that people who love Jesus have. Uh, I recall uh, husband and wife, right after uh, we'd had a little service to bury their one-week-old child, and they wanted to know, did I think that there was something they had done wrong that was the reason why their child only lived for a week and then suddenly died. A friend of mine, grew up with her, mother of three, played keyboard every Sunday in church, active in their local uh, little church family. Anyway, three children, she was at home watching their youngest. Uh, Her husband and the older two children were in school, um, Anyway, uh, they found Darlene brutally murdered in her farmhouse. Never found what exactly happened. Had some clues, uh, but leaving a grieving husband, you can imagine, and three young children, the child was never touched, to carry on. Lord, uh, why would you allow something this horrific to happen to, to such an active Jesus-loving family. Another friend of mine, best athlete in the school, uh, he was in gym class. Uh, It was one of the first hours of the day and the gym teacher said, okay, everybody run a mile uh, like they often do and everyone was running and Kevin, my friend, was in the lead by a wide margin when suddenly now he stops and pretty soon he's laying down and when they check on Kevin he's not breathing 3 days later i'm at his funeral with 500 other people and everybody's asking including his father who was a pastor lord why why would you allow Kevin the, the most the most athletic the one who's in the best shape of anybody we knew uh Uh, He was the leader, the head of our youth group at the time. Lord, why, why, Kevin? Lord, why, why would you, why would you let this happen? Phone rings, it's late. It's a number actually I knew by heart. It was somebody that called often, a man who loved Jesus, but was really depressed and really discouraged and really struggling. So I had talked to him dozens and dozens of times. Pastor Bob had talked with him. I just talked to him earlier that night. Anyway, I pick up the phone, but this time it wasn't the husband, it was the wife, and she wanted me to know if she had just found her husband uh, dead. He'd put a gun to his head and ended his life. Now, I, I just recall thinking you know, every doctor, every counselor, every time we prayed, all the scripture, nothing got through to Paul. Lord, why? Why why did you let that happen? We'd all been praying against that. Paul had been praying against that. Lord, why couldn't anyone break through to him at that moment when he ended his life? I tell you what, I could spend the rest of the morning, I've been pastor now for 35 years. I could, I could go on and we could spend the rest of our, I got dozens of these sad, awful stories. Six teenagers, five of them from the youth group that I was a part of and leading at the time, they were working at a Christian camp. And now they get a night off and they all pile into a car. There's actually three cars and they head for pizza and uh, a nice relaxing evening together. On the way home, the three cars are passing each other. They're, they're kind of being uh, silly and showing off to one another. Until one of the cars, uh, the one that had five of the students from the youth ministry I was a part of, uh, he got his wheel caught in the gravel. And they were going way too fast. And... He tried to get it back on, and he wound up flipping the car. Well, what's, what's uh, really interesting is five of the six uh, had a few bruises, but no, no, no real problems. The sixth one, the one that wasn't from our youth group, got ejected from the car, and she was killed. And I'm standing with five students from uh, the youth group, and they're asking Pastor Jeff, why did, why did I survive? <laughs> Pastor Jeff, why why did Mary die? And and Lord, why why did you we're we're here giving our summer here for the Lord. Lord, why would you allow this to happen? And that wasn't the end of the story. 6 months later, I'm standing with the driver of that car with his mom and his lawyer before the judge, and the judge is is talking about manslaughter and he and he's saying Curtis, uh, I, I think you deserve to pay for what you've, done, what you've done. And Curtis is saying, but we were just having fun. We didn't mean for anyone to die. Skeptics, atheists, agnostics delight in these sort of situations. You know that, right? People, people who, who have some doubts about Jesus and the Bible and Christianity they love to ask these sort of hard questions. Uh, you, you say that you know and serve a good God. Here's what they'll say to us. A God that's all-powerful and all-knowing, right? Isn't that what you say about your God? And of course we would say yes. Well, then why does this good God of yours allow tragedy and suffering and evil? You, you say he's the God of love? Then why on earth... Would he allow such awful things to occur in this world that we live in? Where is this God of yours when bad things happen? And if you haven't been asked that question, it's coming. It really is. When a young girl is abused repeatedly by a relative, why doesn't the Lord answer her prayer to be rescued? Why does the abuse continue? Even though she knows the Lord and cries out repeatedly, why doesn't the Lord deliver her from her abuser? It's a hard question. According to Watchlist, and by the way, I looked them up, they're very reputable, very evangelical, they're very conservative in their estimates. Last year, 215 million Christians experienced high levels of persecution. 215 million followers of Jesus were persecuted and their crime was they love Jesus and they let it be known. That's one in 12 Christians worldwide suffers high levels of persecution. Over 3,000 people were murdered, killed last year, and their crime was They dared to name the name of Jesus. 3,000 brothers and sisters in Christ died because of their faith. Uh, 1,000 were kidnapped. Many of them still haven't been found. Over 1,000 women were raped. Their crime, they were Christians. 793 churches just last year alone were attacked, and most of them destroyed because they dared lift up the name of Jesus and have the cross out front. More people suffer today for their faith in Jesus than at any other time in church history. You know, we look back and we look at Nero. It was bad. I'm just telling you, there's more people who are suffering horrific persecution today than at any time in all of history. So here's the question. So why doesn't the Lord protect those 200 million plus people? They love Jesus, right? They're naming the name of Jesus. Why on earth would the Lord allow them to suffer for their faith? Those hard questions, I'm just telling you, are asked over and over and over again, especially in our culture. In today's world. If you don't want to believe in Jesus, then you ask the hard one. And this is the number one question. Why does evil exist? Why does an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving God allow injustice and suffering to continue? We better have some answers, (laughs) y'all. We better understand a little bit what's going on when we get asked these questions. So today... And for the next four Sundays, we're going to examine some of these really hard questions. And we're going to specifically look at the answers that the Lord gave to an Old Testament prophet. And his name is, you ready? Habakkuk. At least that's the way I'm saying it, okay? Uh, You're going to hear me, Habakkuk. You want to say it with me? Habakkuk. You know, when the cat, you know, has got a hairball and it's going to cough it up. That's kind of Habakkuk. That's kind of what, what's happening here. Uh, it's, it's a really kind of a strange name, but it is. It means to embrace or to hold on tight. And that's what Habakkuk is doing here in this Old Testament little book. Now, the Old Testament contains 12 uh, shorter books, and they are often referred to as the Minor Prophets. Okay, minor not because they're less important. They're minor because they're less lengthy. They're shorter books in length. Habakkuk is a minor prophet, uh, and he's number eight in, in the 12. 56 verses spread out over three chapters. So Habakkuk is minor in length, but it is major in subject matter. Yeah, it might be a short Fifty-six verses, but I would argue it's a really important subject matter for us to dig into. And we're going to do that for the next four Sundays. So locate with me on your phone, in your Bible, Habakkuk chapter 1. Where is that? It's to the right of Psalms, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and then the minors begin. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum. Here it is, Habakkuk gotta learn the minor prophet song, okay? It saves me. Uh, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Anyway, uh, hopefully you're there now. Habakkuk chapter 1, we're gonna stand together and read out loud the first 11 verses of Habakkuk chapter 1. Ready? This is God's word. Let's declare it together. Here we go. The prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous, So that justice is perverted. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong, their hostmen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities. By building earthen ramps, they capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. Let's pray. Lord, the uh, truth is we have some hard questions ourselves. And I just want to stop and say thank you that you even inspired Habakkuk to write a book that's all about hard questions. So, Lord, I know standing here right now in your church, there's some folks who are right in the middle of some painful confusion. There are some right here, if they were honest, are a little upset with you. They don't understand. They don't get it. So we just want to pause and say thank you that we're allowed to have feelings and we're allowed to be upset and we're allowed even to ask you hard, difficult questions. So help us to learn from this little book today and in the four weeks ahead. Lord, I'm asking that you'll uh, help us to understand some of your answers I pray specifically now for those who are in the middle of it, Lord, that you might bring answers, that you might speak and teach us. I'm asking, Lord, that you might come and and work today in your church. Thanks again for your book that teaches us and encourages us and challenges us. Like we do almost every Sunday, Lord, We're grateful for the power of your word, it's alive, it teaches, it encourages, it gets us back on track, but we're also grateful, Lord, for the power of your spirit that lives and resides in every one of your kids. So everybody who knows you today, Lord, right now we choose, we welcome you. You, first of all, come and take charge individually, personally in our lives. If there's sin that we've not dealt with, if there's things your book calls sin, would you, would you point that out right now, convict us of sin? and We're not just going to hold on to it and do nothing with it. We're going to do the U-turn, and we're going to repent and run to the cross. And Lord, those things that you're making clear to us right now, we're going to confess them. You've marked our accounts paid in full. You did that when we said yes by faith to you. And right now, Lord, we draw on that account, we write the check of confession. Would you please, as we call it sin, like you call it, whatever it is, thought, word, deed, would you wash and cleanse and purify? We want to be ready to do business with you today. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one unified voice, you can be seated. Habakkuk one one the prophecy that Habakkuk, the prophet, received. Now, taking notes, you got a spot there. Did you notice uh, right there in your bulletin? Uh, you got a you got a whole page that's blank there. Okay, that's for you. Okay, so uh, here's what you perhaps would like to write down. Uh, Habakkuk is unique amongst the Old Testament prophets in this way. All the other prophets were messengers from God to the people, usually his chosen people, sometimes to some of the neighbors. But mostly, it's a negative message from God to the people, warning, if you don't straighten up, if you don't get on track, if you don't repent, judgment is coming. That's that's mostly what the prophets were all about in the Old Testament. What's unique is that Habakkuk, instead of a message from God, it's a conversation with God. See the difference? There's a dialogue going on between Habakkuk and the Lord, and the Lord inspired Habakkuk to get it written down for us. So again, other prophets' message from God, repent, get your act together, people, whereas Habakkuk is questioning and and talking with the Lord, and there's this dialogue back and forth between the Lord and Habakkuk. Now understand, Habakkuk is confused and angry and I would argue even bitter. He's really upset. In his opinion, got all this bad stuff going on all around, And he doesn't see God doing anything about it. Lord, why are you silent? Why are you hidden from view? I don't see you doing anything. Habakkuk is hurting emotionally, psychologically, and especially spiritually. He sees all around this evil going on. There's suffering. There's pain. There's judgment. And Habakkuk doesn't understand, Lord, why aren't you acting? You're, you're not acting. I'm praying. Other godly people are praying. And you're not doing anything about the mess. What's up? Why not? Now, if you've ever felt like you have a good, hard question for the Lord, uh, I just want you to know this book is for you. Maybe today you're in one of those situations and you've got lots of questions, and perhaps you're even a little upset and, and you're confused. I just want you to know, Jehovah God is all about your hard questions. Uh, Howard Hendricks, some of you men who went to Promise Keepers there in the day, he, uh, longtime prophet at Dallas Seminary, he called Habakkuk the man with a question mark for a brain. I like that, okay? The man with a question mark for a brain. Now, a little warning before we jump in and dig in, okay? do you remember the sitcoms that you used to watch when you were growing up? Remember them? Uh, I, I think of Happy Days, got to remember Richie and the Fonz. Okay? Uh, but my favorite, and I think it's still my favorite because of Barney Fight, is the Andy Griffith show. And almost every episode of the Andy Griffith show, uh, Barney got himself into trouble some way. And then they spent the next 30 minutes Andy trying to get everything all worked out, and by the end of the show, usually they were eating at the table. Aunt B made some homemade apple pie, and everything was neatly tied up by the end of the 30 minutes. That's not how real life works, is it? I wish. That's not the message of Habakkuk either. So I just want you to know uh, we're going to get answers here but we're still going to have some tension. There's still going to be some drama, and there's still going to be some unanswered questions even after we finish. So this is not a television sitcom where everything's going to get neatly worked out, and in four weeks we're all going to understand exactly what God's up to. Uh, I'm not promising that. But we're going to get pointed in the right direction, and slowly we're going to get some of the answers that we need. Okay? Ready? Here we go. Habakkuk 1, verses 2 through 4. Uh, He's got a problem, and notice the problem that he has, his complaint, if you will. How long, Lord, verse 2, must I call for help? But you don't seem to be listening or cry out to you violence, but you're not saving. Why do you make me look at injustice? I don't even want to look. I don't want to tolerate wrongdoing. Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife, there's conflict abounding all around. Therefore, it seems like your law is paralyzed. Justice never prevails. The wicked hemming in the righteous. Justice is perverted. There seems to be three basic problems or complaints that Habakkuk has with God. Let me list them for you. First... God, you don't seem to care about the mess all around. Uh, I'm looking around, I see violence, I see injustice, uh, wrongdoing, strife, conflict, and you don't even seem to be lifting one of your almighty fingers. That's my first complaint, Habakkuk says. His second problem, uh, the prophet seems to be a godly man and knows his Bible, And he says, basically, I know, Lord, that you're all powerful. I know that you are all wise. I know that you are a good God. You have the power to fix this mess. So why don't you? So it's sort of a theological problem. His second one, I know you could do it. I know who you are. I know your book, but you don't seem to care. You're doing nothing. Third complaint, what you're doing, God, I think is not enough. I I don't think it's right. I don't think it's enough. I don't like the way that you are working. So the things that you are doing, God, I don't care for those either. You understand? Just pause for a moment and ask, how many of you have ever felt that way? Seems like, God, you don't care It feels like you're doing nothing when you could do something, and what you are doing, I don't care for, I don't like it. How many of you have honestly ever felt that way? Can I see your hand? Anybody in the balcony? Yeah. Yeah. The truth is, live long enough and be honest. Don't stick your head in the sand. You're all, eventually, we're all going to feel that way if we're honestly looking around. Okay? So what do we do? We're followers of Jesus. I love Jesus. He's number one in my life. And then something awful happens around me. How do you deal with that? <laughs> someone you love gets sick, and you pray and you pray and you pray, and they don't get better. What do you do when someone you care about is in an accident and things aren't turning out like you expect? God, I know you could turn this around. But no matter how much you pray and how much you you seek the Lord, it seems as though nothing's getting better. Again, it's getting worse or you lose your job and then you lose your house and you wind up losing everything. That's the challenge. What do you do when what you see in your life or see around you is not consistent with what you believe? You tracking? What, What do you do I'm looking around, and what I'm seeing doesn't make sense. It doesn't line up with what I believe and what I know to be true in God's book. Sooner or later, we're all going to be asking these hard questions that Habakkuk raises. Lord, I'm going to continue to trust you, but I don't get it. I don't understand, and we're forced to hold on tight, even though I don't get it and even though I don't like it. That's the journey that Habakkuk is on. And that's where he's at right here in the middle of chapter 1. I, I don't understand, Lord. I don't get it. Uh, and now the Lord, look at verse 5, says, I'm about to tell you something that's going to knock your sandals off, Habakkuk. Uh, I'm going to tell you something now that's going to take your breath away. The Babylonians, and, and he's thinking, you don't. You didn't really say Babylonians. Yes, the Babylonians are going to be the solution to your questions. <laughs> and, and you need to understand, they were the worst. They were the most dreaded. They were the most hated people on planet Earth. They piled heads in city centers. They did awful things to people. And, and he's saying, Lord, you, you don't really mean you're going to use the Babylonians uh, and I'm going to read verses 5 to 11, and I want you to respond how Habakkuk and the nation of Judah would have responded. They would have thought, you don't mean the Babylonians. They're awful. Boo! Hiss! No! Okay, you understand? So when they said even the word Babylonians, they're thinking, no, 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 you, you can't really mean that. Boo! Hiss! So Every time I say the word Babylonians, I'm going to read for you. Here's what I want you to do, okay? Boo! You can choose your favorite, or hiss, or no, or you can do that, put two thumbs down, okay? So this is uh, kind of like uh, church theater here today. Here's a practice. You ready? Babylonians. You can do better than that, okay? can hear some hisses too, okay? Those really add nicely. Snakes. Snakes for you, Brent. Uh, Babylonians. Okay. Here we go, I'm gonna read, here we go. Here's what the Lord says, okay? He's got all these hard questions. Here's the Lord's answer. Uh, I'm gonna do something in your days you won't believe. I'm raising up the Babylonians. That ruthless and petulant people who sweep across the whole earth to squeeze dwellings, not their own. The Babylonians, they're a feared and dreaded people. The Babylonians. They're a law to themselves and promote their own honor. The Babylonians, whose horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dust. Their their horses gallop headlong. They fly like eagles, swooping to devour. The Babylonians, they're intent on violence. Their hordes advance like desert winds. The Babylonians, they gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings, scoff at rulers, they laugh at all the fortified cities, they build earthen dams. The Babylonians (laughs) sweep past like the wind and go on. The Babylonians. You did really well, our guilty people. Their God is their strength. (laughs) They're awful. You might want to write this down. Sometimes things are gonna get worse before they get better. (laughs) See? You had to come to church to hear that one. Sometimes, things are going to get worse before they get better, and that's what Habakkuk just heard. God's chosen people, and now the favorite part, Israel had already been judged. Now now Judah, rebellious, idolatrous, deserving judgment, but Jehovah, really? We deserve judgment. But you're going to use the Babylonians, their wickedness, their evil is so much worse. (laughs) Why them? They're awful people. So what do you do when you're in the middle of chapter 1 of Habakkuk and you're a believer in Jesus, but you're really confused? I don't get it, Lord. And I've got all these hard and painful and difficult questions. Here's the first thought. Here's another thing to write down. It's okay to ask God the hard questions. Did you know we don't serve a fragile, uh, easily offended God? Sometimes we, we treat the Lord as like he's a fragile old man, and we can't be honest and real with him. And I just want you to know, this book shows us we have permission to ask hard questions, It's okay to be upset and and actually bring those hard questions and even your anger and your frustration and perhaps even your bitterness to the Lord. Take it to Him. He's the one who can handle it. He's actually the one who has the ultimate answers. Everybody I know who's lived for a little while, if you're honest, you're going to have these seasons of doubt and trouble and confusion. I just want you to just plan on it. Write it down. It's going to happen. So you're in the middle of chapter 1 right now, and I know some of you are. What are you going to do? What do we do in the meantime? Okay? Um, And and I would encourage you, Habakkuk hangs in there. (laughs) He doesn't walk away from the Lord, but he just keeps asking the hard questions. I would encourage you, follow his lead there. He hung in there. Now, the first answer the Lord gives him is not the one he wanted to hear, But he hangs in there. So God's answer to Habakkuk's hard questions was, I'm going to use the most wicked, ruthless, brutal, feared, hated nation on earth to accomplish my plan. But if you're in the middle of that, I want to give you one more thing to hold on to as we close. Turn to the new section with me. Let's go to the Gospel of Mark. And I think there's something there that we can grab a hold of and say, I'm right in the middle of it and I don't get it and I don't like it, but I'm gonna hold on to this. Mark chapter nine is where you wanna go. Matthew, Mark chapter nine, slide down to verse 17. There's a man in the crowd and he says, hey, teacher, I brought my son. He's possessed by a spirit, by a a demon, That's robbed him of speech. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He's foaming at the mouth, gnashing his teeth, becoming rigid. I ask your disciples to drive out the spirit. (laughs) They couldn't do anything. So there's this father who's got this awful situation with his young son. He's getting thrown to the ground. Uh, it says that he's even getting thrown into fires. He's getting thrown into water. He's going to drown. He, he's going he's to die. Uh, Lord, what are you going to do? Uh, he's got a demon inside of him. Uh, verse 21, slide down. Um, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has it been like this? He says, from childhood, since he's been young. It's often thrown into the fire or the water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Do you hear the father's desperation? I've been to the best doctors. I've been to every godly person I know. We've prayed over him. We've done everything we possibly know to deal with my son's condition. What am I going to do? If you could help us, would you help us? Verse 23, look at what Jesus says. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. What do you mean? If I can. Do you know who you're talking to? Second person of the Trinity? If I can. Everything is possible for the one who believes. Verse 24 is where I, I want you to see. This is a key. Boy's father exclaimed to Jesus, I do believe. Would you help me overcome my unbelief? Is that not a great line? I, I, I believe, but I, I don't believe as much as I need to believe Jesus. So Jesus, could you help me believe and help me overcome my unbelief because because i i I got a sliver of belief but obviously i got a lot of things because because of all these years i've been praying for my son i've been searching for answers nobody can help him been to every godly person jesus i believe but would you help me with my unbelief here (laughs) now here's the great news jesus says uh demon scram get out of here the boys healed. But that only happened after years of confusion and pain and struggle and doubt. Do You understand? So we get to see the end, uh, and that's how most of us are. I, I just want to fast forward. Don't you wish you had a fast forward button, you know? And I got problems here, and I got questions, and I don't get it, and I, I want to hit the fast forward. And then the answer is here, and healing, and oh, thank you, Jesus. But the problem is, this man was in that in-between season for years. So if that's where you're at right now, here's what I want to point you to, it is Jesus. I believe, I'm holding on, but help me. Help me with my unbelief, would you? Hold on tight. That's how I want to conclude today, Lord. I don't like it. I don't like it. it I, But while I'm waiting for all things to work together for good, I I know we're going to get there. I believe that. But Lord, help me with my unbelief. And if that's you here today, you're just like that desperate father. You're just like Habakkuk was in chapter 1. Lord, I believe. Help me. Help me with my unbelief. Here's what I know. The Lord loves that kind of prayer. I'll help you through this time. Hold on tight. We'll walk through this. No fast forward button. I I got a plan and I got a purpose, but you hold on tight and I'll help you with your unbelief. You You just keep crying that out. Let that be your daily prayer. Lord, I believe, help me with my unbelief. That's where we're going to conclude. First Sunday in the book of Habakkuk. Bow your heads, shut your eyes. Lord, thank you once again for giving us a book that's real and honest and raw and, frankly, sometimes hard to work through. (laughs) We just as soon think that uh, we're going to have this magical life and never have problems and never have pain and never have suffering or confusion But the reality is all around us, we see it. So I pray specifically now for those who are right now with Habakkuk in the middle of chapter one. Anybody say, even as we close, I can identify a lot with Habakkuk. I've got these hard, difficult questions I'm a little upset. Maybe even I'm a little bit angry. You might even go so far. I'm a little bit bitter at God. I don't understand. I believe. But I need to start crying out, Lord, but help me with my unbelief. Just simply want to pray for you. That's where you're at today. I'm not going to ask you to stand or come forward. That might occur in the weeks ahead, but not today. Just want to pray for you. Lord, I'm in the middle of a really hard, difficult, confusing, painful season. I don't like it. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Wow. I believe, but Lord, help me with my unbelief. Anybody say? I, I identify. I get it. Yeah. Are there others? Yep. Are there more? Yeah in the balcony yep that's me anyone else Lord I pray for my friends who are hurting and questioning and confused even while they're asking hard questions Lord uh, help them to hold on tight to you help them to keep crying out until they get to chapter 3 Lord help them even in their unbelief I pray, Lord, that their faith and their trust and their relationship would grow with you even during the trials that they're facing. I pray all of these things in the mighty name of our King. Amen. we we'll get some time. Let's take the time. Stand together. Let's worship the Lord as we close.